Oh, that's very spring and oriental at the same time. Konnichiwa, Mr. Anderson. Yes, Aligato. And that's the wrong one, isn't it? Okay, I'll, I'll stop there, I think. <laughs> good to see you, sir. Yeah, good to see you too. Looking, It, it looks like you've travelled over to the uh, Far East ready for this episode as well, yourself there, sir. I think, I think I've swung it nicely. No one's going to think there's anything fakery going on here today. <laughs> yes, so, so how is it in Kyoto today? It is super duper, very spring-like, lots of blossom, um, and feeling very upbeat and positive about another amazing show we've got lined up this week, Mark. Yeah, absolutely, and some fantastic guests, and I'm really excited to say one of the uh, um, solutions coming on tonight is a, a local organisation. I've been using their product since way back when they probably only had about me using it, to be honest, so um, really excited to have them joining us this evening, and um, and a uh, 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 long-standing representative from the classroom uh, um, who's a big fan of their product is coming on and sharing with us tonight as well john uh, who's at the ipod teacher uh, on twitter so give him a follow so looking forward to hearing from him later um, but um uh, we, we haven't scheduled this but i wanted to give us, uh, uh, us and by us i mean net support a bit of a shout out for a second because we've got some news about uh, our classroom cloud product and uh, and microsoft and windows don't we mr kingsley this is the moment where I should have prepped for a detailed response for you. Yeah, it's always exciting. And thanks for um, for mentioning, Mark. I mean, one of the things we always talk about is with this huge choice of EdTech solutions, we always want to make sure that our solutions will flex with the, the landscape of of our schools that are using it. It's, you know, it's hard-earned money, and we want to make sure it can be used most effectively. Uh, and over the last year, as well as working alongside Google, we've done a lot of work with our integrations with Microsoft, um, and that Office 365 ecosystem, whether it's getting our student data in with School Data Sync to integration with Teams, hosting in Azure and all other aspects. And one of the, the movers and shakers on the landscape now from Microsoft is Windows 11 SE. Very much that kind of optimized Windows experience with that centralized management, which I think is um, a really fantastic opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, we're really chuffed because... Uh, you know, it's taken quite a while, but Classroom Cloud is one of the first wave of solutions to get the certification and seal of approval for Microsoft. And again, what I think is most important is making sure that customers who invest in our technology never find that the technology is the barrier to them trying other platforms and hardware as they move forward. No, great. It's been lovely seeing not just yourself, but other colleagues sharing about it. There's a sort of buzz of excitement about that sort of seal of approval from Microsoft for it as well, hasn't there? It's been really good yeah, to see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. And I think also, um, and again, we sort of straddle the fence marking for both of our roles. But I think for a lot of people, something that can seem like quite a small addition to the, the brochure or the website can actually be many months of work and, and effort. So, yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to celebrate the the combined effort of all of the team at, at NetSupport to kind of deliver that. Um so another reason to be upbeat and positive for tonight's show. Before we yeah, go on no. to guests, though, Mark, let's talk a little yes. bit about the, what's been happening in your world. We always like to have a bit of a, a, a little bit of a detox with some of the activities we've been undertaking. Well, if John Cat are watching, uh, they'd be very pleased to hear that I've actually put pen to paper and started working on my book. Boom. So um, <laughs> thanks to quite a few people giving me a... a uh, well-placed kick in the backside. Uh, yeah, so my guide to using technology in the classroom is uh, is underway. I've, I've uh, approached a few people for some case studies, uh, working through that uh, at the moment. Um, chapter one is is um, 
not completely put to bed, uh, but um, it is certainly written and uh, ready for uh, some approval some, from some uh, trusted uh, uh, friends and advisors and people and what have you. So, yeah, but again, you'll know yourself from having written your secret edtech diary, uh, blatant uh, plug for a second there. Um, but no, you haven't written your... It, the hardest part, certainly for me at least, is always the getting started. And once you've got started and got that roadmap there, actually moving forward through it is much, much easier, isn't it? So um, no, I'm yeah. really, really pleased. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get it out there finished and shared. So that's a big thing for me at the moment. So alongside my other work with trusts like TDETs in Peterborough and Cumbran High School and our second school and my other clients and what have you. So great getting out there and seeing teachers at the chalk face and helping them doing those things. And obviously... Uh, the work I'm doing with Net Support as well. So uh, I've got some fantastic things coming up. 18th of May, we're doing a special uh, um, activity related to um, International Anti-Homophobic, uh, uh, Transphobic and Biphobic Day uh, for May the 18th. I uh, just started working on a summer um, holidays guide, online safety guide for parents. Um, so I'm doing a bit of writing there. We've got some trusted partners like Natahub and um, Tracy Good from Avengers working with us on that. Uh, so lots and lots of things ticking along nicely uh, with some great things to share out uh, for our, uh, our our educators in the community as well. Excellent. Sounds very good. Well, I have to How say about your good self, to... sir? Well, I was going to say, first of all, when it comes to creating a book, I found it was the capital letters and finger spacing that was my uh, barrier to, <laughs> to progress. Uh, but I'm really chuffed that you're um, you're well underway with yours now. And um, hopefully the next time we're having this conversation, you'll be able to share a link where we can get our pre-orders in. Uh, Fingers crossed, yes. In terms of out and about, before we dive into guests, um, yeah, it's been a real mixture. It's nice to get out and about and meet people and learn from people. Um, I had a lovely visit up north to Warrington at the weekend for Research Ed. Um, really, really good cross-spectrum of presentations and, and suggestions and ideas from all kind of aspects of evidence to inform teaching and learning. And, and I certainly picked up lots of great ideas, tried to share a few as well. But I think in truth, I learned more than I shared. But it was the best part of 20 really, really accomplished speakers that I was really struggling to decide who to go see first, to be honest. Um, so that was really nice. Tomorrow, I shall be uh, jumping in the Batmobile and heading down to the Academy show for the day. Um, so that will be something just to see what's happening there and check out some of our fellow Beza members and meet up with other people. Uh, Netsport will be there um, with the ANME. So I'll stop by, obviously, and be seeing the, the gang there. Uh, and just to mix things up, this afternoon was the uh, all-party par parliamentary group discussing the, the school's white paper, in particular the changes and provisions for influence edtech. So a really interesting conversation was had there, and it's important that those of us who um, have a voice in the edtech space were able to share the conversation because with some of the changes being proposed in terms of the government having its own self-funded resource through Oak for some of the curriculum content, whilst there's some positives there, there's also a, a concern and a challenge, it's probably fair to say, for all those amazing vendors in the UK that are content authors and creators um, that that doesn't really lend itself to a level playing field. And obviously, the thing we want to do most of all is support that co-production and innovation in the space. So, yeah, watch this space on that one. But nonetheless, it was, um, it's all, at the end of the day, you've got to be part of the conversation, haven't you, Mark? So um, all, all worthy conversations to be had. Anyway, as we are often guilty of, because I know you and I could chat for hours, we're not going to chat for hours. And I'm trying to be really, really good because I can see we've been live 
for almost 10 minutes. And so we are bang on schedule for our first guest at 10 past seven. So I'm going to hand over to you to introduce our first guest. Yes, yeah, so um, our first guest on the Check It Out show, our spring special, uh, has sprung into conversation with Isabel from, and I'm assuming it's Second Chance. Is that right, Isabel? It is, yes, from Second Chance. I wasn't going to go to Econ Chance because that would just sound <laughs> silly, wouldn't it? Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Could you share a little bit about who you are? Me. Yes, of course. So we are um, a computer recycling not-for-profit organisation. Uh, we um, offer work-based training for people furthest away from the job market. So whether that be a physical disability, whether that be a learning disability, or whether it's mental health issues or people just going down the wrong path. And we offer a training which is focuses on sort of computer hardware and software management. So our trainees work with um, our team and they learn how to refurbish a compu- computers. Uh, and those computers, once they're finished, they are uh, either sold at low cost to, uh, so that they, so to, uh, to bridge the digital divide um, and then we try to donate one in four through our partners so that they reach uh, people in need in a nutshell <laughs> that's a really it's a really uh, a really succinct nutshell but it's interesting because <laughs> you've you've ticked two of the boxes that are often topics that that we're covering at the moment and certainly talking to with our students and learners so one is about that digital equity and making sure that there's a device accessible to all of our children no matter what their um, socioeconomic backgrounds are. Uh, And then the second one is always being aware with other topics, shall we say, grabbing more attention in the news, that we don't forget about our eco-obligations and expectations that that we're also trying to build. So so how do you you weave learning into into the actual process of recycling those devices? Do Do you broaden the conversation? Uh, yes, so we uh, so we work on a referral basis with other organisations. So they uh, provide learners who are interested in IT. Uh, we then look at what's inside a computer. We then look at um, how it's put together. Um, we also uh, te- we also teach with um, employability skills and scoff skills. So many of our learners. Um, have never had a job before. So we have one uh, young person who's 26 and he's never had a job before. So we're teaching him problem solving, thinking skills, uh, confidence. And I think those, it's really interesting to see how, as people develop, um, you see as they keep on coming, as just just those softer skills really bring in their, yeah, it it really starts to shine and actually they become, uh, become much rounder, uh, people and often they say that they don't have very much to do in their lives but actually once they come sometimes they come more than once in a week so it's really lovely to see people who are enjoying both the social side but then also learning um, about the computers and I think what's interesting because it's a social enterprise is that because we're uh, we're set we're selling the machines it it's more innovative than uh, than just trying to give them away so there's a real sense that actually they're being they're part of something bigger which i think is really important i just want to ask before mark jumps in if it's okay mark um when, when you're focusing on those kind of primary objectives do you actually find that indirectly it's those sort of secondary skills that actually flourish as a result um i think so yes i think it's really lovely when you 
start to get people who don't have to ask questions all of the time so for the first week you'll have in an hour you'll have like 35 questions but by the fifth week you know they're much more independent and they're working out what the issue is for themselves and I think that just makes us really proud um, to be a part of and it really shows just actually these people you know why it's so important that these people are given a second chance which sounds a bit (laughs) (laughs) hence the name second chance well what a lovely story um, Isabel and um, it's it's I'm I'm, I'm a teacher by trade and so you know in in my professional career I I spent a lot of time teaching I was a computing teacher so you know a lot of the things that you're working on with these young people are things that might have been taught in some of my classes for example but I think I was talking with an employer this week and they were saying, you know, when I actually interview people, it is, you know, how adaptable they are, how responsive they are in a conversation, uh, all all the sort of softer things that you're mentioning there, uh, which can really help those people sort of shine when they sort of move forward. Do you have many success stories of of, uh, people who sort of been through the programme and and, uh, sort of moved on to further employment after working with you? So we are a fairly new organisation, so we've only been going sort of uh, almost a year. Uh, We have had one person who started working with us um, and he's now employed by Second Chance and he works on computers and he's now started to train uh, other other trainees. Um, But in terms of the other successes, we are starting to link up with employers and and through other organisations. So we're really starting to build on those so actually we can signpost on to further training um or then employment where it when it where where, where appropriate and that's great isabel thank you listen I'm, I'm mindful of the time if you want to get um, more involved or find out more and um how, how can people get more involved and if, if, if you've got any viewers who are thinking do you know what I, I could do with a second chance and this sounds really interesting to me how might they get involved as well so i think there are i think there are multiple ways people can get involved so we are reliant on donations of machines so we have machines from individuals from businesses and from schools so if anybody has machines that they want to get involved uh, they want to donate to us that would be absolutely great we can provide certification of wiping so we need the date yeah we need the machines to be able to do the training if anyone thinks that they do need a second chance and that this would be of interest my email address is scrolling along the bottom so get in touch we also have facebook and twitter and linkedin so just try, just really just get in touch and we're really keen to start building relationships and speaking to people and just seeing how we can grow i'm just going to have to dive in at the end i know time's always always precious but it's it's always lovely when you hear something that's such a positive message how have you found the response from employers customers of yours in in terms of engaging with you i think uh customers have been really uh uh pleased and very positive i think the idea of since lockdown and children needing one machine each to buy for their homeschooling i think actually the fact that we can they can get a device a refurbished device um at a more affordable price is incredibly positive um and i also think that obviously when we're able to donate machines back through our partners they do make a they do make a it makes a real impact on their ability to job search when three other people need machines so i think it it's been incredibly positive and i think as we continue to grow i think hopefully it will continue to be that way brilliant listen so thank you so much for sharing what a lovely way to start our um, our spring edition um, yeah, I was going to say yeah. the same. Fantastic. Thank you, Isabel. My absolute pleasure. Oh, well, how can we top that now? I mean, that's such a fantastic story there. And um, it just, 
yeah, I mean, like many social enterprises, but, um, you know, it's something that's really close to our own hearts. I know you feel the same way, Al, with your role, you know, sharing the, the Multi-Academy Trust and the and, and the children which those those schools serve and, and the communities within Peterborough. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen this in so many schools, not only ones I've taught in, but also uh, in, in those that I now work with. It's just, yeah, what a fantastic story, Isabel. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today. Yeah, I think um, there's a few really, really great. I think the other strands that always resonate with me is is that, and it's something that you know I'm passionate about, Mark, and it's something we have very much common alignment on, is that actually sometimes it's the the, the life skills, the, the 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 opportunities to build confidence and um, self-resilience and, and a sense of pride in achievement that is far more powerful to me than, than finite qualifications. Um, so I think any kind of social enterprise where we're giving people opportunity and confidence, I think, is absolutely a big tick in the box. So, um, yes, lovely one to start the evening. And now Yeah, great. And, and it's the innovation around it as well, isn't it? You know, because it's not just about taking the machines in and refurbing them. It's, it's all the additional things that that actual activity, yeah, um, Isabel and um, Second Chance are, are trying to bring there. I think it's yeah, fantastic way to start the show this evening. I'm just feeling my pulse, Mark. Which is oh, yeah. my way of doing a segue to our next product and service, which is Ahmed from Pulse. Hello. Did you see Hi, what welcome. I did there, Ahmed? That was very <laughs> sweet, wasn't it? Made me chuckle. <laughs> welcome to the show, sir. Hi, thank you. Really good to have you here. So, um, as we always like to kick off our conversations, tell us a little bit about Pulse, what it's all about. Uh, okay, so um, Pulse is... Um, software to support well-being in schools um, and it's, it's based on my background as a primary teacher um, my wife's a teacher many of my friends are teachers um, and it's a sort of really quick and easy way for managers to check in with their staff um, it's, it's all done online it's a, it's a regular weekly thing so staff get an email asking them to check in and then fill out a simple form um, and managers can then read and respond to the check-in in their own time and it it's just a sort of nice, friendly way to make sure that staff are getting the support that they need. And, and for someone who's not familiar with Pulse, could you give us some examples of the kinds of questions, the kind of areas you're trying to focus on when you're checking in with staff? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the core question is, how are you feeling? Um, and that's a really simple sort of uh, scale of one to five where, where you just choose an option. Um, and that's actually a really good conversation starter because sometimes somebody will put that they're feeling unhappy but they won't leave any comments. So it, it's a really good prompt for the manager to sort of go and find that person and, and you know, find out what's wrong. Um, so that, that's the first question. And then we've got four other questions sort of designed to um, reflect on the week that they've just had and the week that's coming up. So it asks about what went well, what could have gone better. Um, and then for the week, week coming up, um, is there anything you need help with? Um, and is there anything else you want to discuss? Now, each of the questions are optional. You don't have to fill them in. Um, what that means is if, if everything's going fine, there's nothing to discuss, it takes a few seconds to check in. It's like five seconds. And if, if you do have any issues, uh, you can pop them on the form um, and hopefully it'll, you know, it, it, it's for your own benefit. So it's a good use of your time. That sounds really interesting, Ahmed. And um, it, it's certainly a, a really important thing, thing to do. Um, obviously, um, uh, being a teacher myself as well by trade, um, you know, I, I know and it's, it's the biggest uh, uh, sort of reason people quote for leaving the profession is, is around workload. Well, can you just sort of share a little bit about how Pulse doesn't add any additional workload, perhaps? Because 
if you're asking teachers to sort of fill a form in and, and it, it can sometimes become a burden when you're actually trying to do something right by people at the same time, you know? So yeah, yeah. are there any ways in which uh, you could sort of um, articulate how a pulse doesn't actually add additional workload while still providing support uh, for colleagues who may be having a few issues uh, that they're not, you know, they're not that happy uh, for whatever reason? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you can imagine, like, you know, the Pulse was built with schools in mind. So sort of uh, um, minimising workload is, is built into the DNA of the product, if you like. Um, so starting with the, uh, the check-in reminders, um, there's an option in there for like one-click check-in. So if you've got nothing to discuss, you, you click this one button and that's it, it's done. That's, that's your check-in done. Um, check-ins are optional. So if you, if, if, if you don't even want to do the one-click button, that's fine. You can leave that. Um, it's all asynchronous. So... Um, you don't have to respond straight away. You can, you can. Uh, some of our managers will do it in batches, so they wait until a specific day and they'll respond to, you know, checking in in batch. We have these quick reactions on checkings and comments as well, so you don't always have to give a written response. Depends on your relationship with the person that's checked in. Depends on what they've put in their check-in, but sometimes it's appropriate just to leave a little quick reaction, which lets them know that you've seen the check-in. And, and you're there if, if, if you need any more support. Um, mm -hmm. We have features that let you disable that sort of these checking reminders and notifications um, during holiday times. So they, they only happen during term times. You can restrict the hours and the days that these reminders are sent. Um, you know, we're very, very sensitive to workload because my friends who are teachers uh, actively use the system. Um, and my wife's always giving me lots and lots of feedback as well. So uh, yeah, workload is absolutely uh, a priority. That's a great response. Thank you very much, Arvind. Over to you, Al. Yeah, I'm, I'm conscious, fortunately, we've got a little bit more time for each guest this evening, which is which is handy because it's always nice to unpick. So I'm sure some of the questions people listening in might be thinking is, does it matter what kind of devices they've got? Um, how long do you keep that data for? Those kind of questions. So for, for, for schools or staff thinking, this would be a great tool to be able to share. Um, it's just interesting to understand how, how flexible it is to use in the school setting uh, and whether you're looking at one-off data or whether you're tracking a, a, a teacher's, you know, confidence and, and mental health over a period of time, their well-being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good question. Um, so it, it's a responsive website, so it works on any device. It formats itself to whichever device you're on. Uh, there's no app or anything like that. There's no software to install. Um, it's just one website, pulse121.com. Um, we, we integrate with Microsoft, which you know, vast majority of schools use for their um, email. So logins are really easy, really quick. Um, as for data, it depends on the organization. You can set um, the data retention policy. So by default, we keep it until you delete it. Um, but there are settings within the system to set that to a period of months where you know you could, it was originally built to, to work on a termly basis, but you can customize it for any length of time. So. You could say after a year, just scrub everything. Um, and certainly at the end of each academic year, I'd, I'd recommend sort of um, using the scrub option to, to get rid of all things. Yeah. And I suppose wrapped around that, Ahmed, the other question that we always like to ask, it kind of, um, we've gone a little bit off piece with our questions tonight, but hey, what the heck, we're in charge, we can do it. <laughs> it what's the feedback from staff who've, who've actually used it? Have staff found it yeah. helpful? How have they shared yeah. Absolutely, really, really good. So some of the nicest feedback I, I've ever had was from um, a teaching assistant. Who, you know, as you can imagine, they start at nine, they're out the door at half three with the children. Sometimes they won't see a manager for, for days. You know, uh, like teachers are always in meetings, aren't they? And then they have the regular weekly staff meeting. 
It's not the same for, for teaching assistants. And the nicest comment I got was that the system uh, made her feel less invisible. So she was going through a lot of stuff. Um, and I think this speaks to sort of the, the, the shift that Pulse brings about, because you go from this um, reactive sort of come and find me if you need me system to, to this proactive weekly thing where you're getting an email saying, look, your manager wants to hear from you. Let them know how you're getting on. Um, and, and that was the nicest thing. And, and since then, we've had other feedback as well. But things like part-timers and job sharers, you know, they find it really useful as well just to have that regular frequent check-in um, with their staff. Um, managers as well, I think uh, a lot of managers sort of really enjoy the pastoral side of, of their jobs. Um, and but time, you know, you know how it is in schools. It is hectic. It is manic. And uh, th this lets them focus a little bit more on that pastoral side. You know, maybe have have a bit of a conversation via the system in the comments um, about things that you, you haven't had time to catch up on during the day. Perfect. Thanks. As I say, we, we've, we have got a bit more time, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump in with another quick question, if that's all right, Ahmed. Yeah. Uh, flipping it to the um, sort of middle leader, senior leader sort of perspective. Um, so um, I'm assuming there's some sort of dashboard. Um, if I was, if I was, um, you know, someone who had some sort of responsibility across my school for this sort of thing, I'd want to sort of track trends over time and, um, you know, uh, are, there, are there any sort of you know, regularly sort of dips in certain things when certain things are happening and all this yes. sort of thing. I mean, is, is there sort of dashboard which facilitates that sort of thing within the platform? Absolutely. There, there is a simple dashboard. Um, I'm quite adamant that Pulse isn't a well-being survey. That's that's not the intention behind it. You know, it's, it's based on the idea of one-to-one -one meetings, which I think are absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant to, to have that time where somebody just sits down with you and says, you know, this meeting is for you and about you. Um, so that that's the, the the principle behind it. Um, so Pulse is not sort of a, a survey tool or, or an analytics tool, but I recognise, as you say, it's very very useful for for middle and senior leaders to be able to get some simple analytics and monitor trends over time. So yeah, absolutely, you can um, it, by default it gives you um, uh, ratings and analytics for well being. So each of those one to five scales, um, it uses that data. We also monitor workload, so workload can be rated on a scale of one to three. It does that for you. Um, and each of your check-ins can be assigned to different categories as well. So um, if, for example, staffing is a particular issue, it's short staff and that's causing a lot of issues, you can tag check-ins with that, with that tag. And then it will, it will show you over time how many check-ins mention that particular category. I have to well, say, that's really useful. One of the things that really resonates with me is, and I know from, from talking in, in lots of our schools, that sometimes in our efforts to provide an extra layer of, of support and care around the well-being framework, it's very easy to actually create more work rather than actually support. So it's, it's really refreshing to, to hear you being very mindful of that and really a great example where actually sometimes less is more, actually not putting too many extra bells and whistles where they're not needed just to make sure you can get to the point of the conversation brilliant, brilliant. And, and and i try as well to to make the system not just about sort of communication between managers and, and staff but just about engagement generally because I, I think more communication is a good thing you know and, and um if, if you did nothing but just listen to your staff and, and nothing else but really really listen i think that would get you a long way on, on the world to to improving well-being um, so, you know, there, there's a bunch of other features, like you can send each other electronic postcards, which are meant to, you know, how some schools will send home good news postcards. So very, very similar thing, um, except you do it online and it's designed to sort of share good news. 
Um, there was a new feature on, launched recently where staff can submit ideas for how to make the workplace better. Um, and then other staff can vote on the ideas and then senior leaders can either accept or archive an idea and you can discuss it and comment it and vote on it. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's all about well-being and it's all about engagement with your staff and, and finding out what's going on with our staff in, in a way that surveys can't really do because I think surveys are a little bit impersonal. They, they're useful for a snapshot, um, but they measure what you what you want them to measure. And, and Pulse uh, really is the opposite. Um, it's more it's much more individual and the issues that come up are the issues that matter to the person that's filling in the check-in yeah, the thing that's really sort of struck me from what you shared Abed, is not only that the name pulse really does reflect what it is a very ron seal name uh, <laughs> and, and it, it sort of does what it says on the tin but yeah. your sort of your north star values that you're sharing around it's important that people you know know that they could have a meeting and check in with me to find out how i am for me and all of that Having that underpinning, what you're trying to do, I think, is, is really, really, really shines through for me. Uh, so, uh, yet to have a play, but uh, please do get in touch. I'd love to have a little look around. And uh, I mean, it's already getting a bit of a thumbs up from me from just this conversation. So, thank Fantastic. you very much for that. Fantastic. Yeah. No, thank, thank you for having me on the show tonight. Where do we very find well, out more? It's on the bottom. It. We, we, on the website. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's an eight-week trial, um, which is like half a term for for more schools. Um, but if you need more time, just ping me an email. I'm happy to extend the trial period. Uh, but yes, yeah, sign, sign up, give it, give it a try. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming well, on and sharing. All right. Thank you for having me, man. Take care. Brilliant. Bye. Thank you, Abby. Nice to meet you. Cheers. Thank you. Ah, oh, we're cooking with gas this evening, aren't we? What a great little solution there from Abby as well. Yeah, questions, questions. That's the that's the fun of it. But um, we're, we're slightly breaking our three question rule. But I won't tell if you don't mind. So who's it's next? Nice. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I feel bad. Uh, we, we we do need to keep ourselves on time. So um, uh, now you know, and um, uh, uh, and you're a big fan of this as well, Al. Um, just from my periodic tables, that uh, AR and and uh, the potential for technology and, and that idea around technology. Um, you know. Um, uh, that Arthur C. Clarke thing, you know, when technology is sufficiently advanced enough, it's indistinguishable from magic. But technology gives us a chance to do things that wouldn't be possible without technology. And I'm really excited to learn uh, about the potential for, um, um, uh, for learning and uh, all sorts of things uh, from our next guest from Explore Realms with Reader. So welcome to the show, Reader. Thank you for having me. Hi there. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, hi, Mark. So could you share a little bit about what uh, Explore Realms is? I mean, I've got, we've got a little synopsis uh, um, uh, from yourself when you signed up to come on the show. But uh, for those watching, well, what is Explore Realms? Um, sure. So, so Explore Realms is ultimately we're trying to build a metaverse of culturally nuanced 3D immersive mobile games. And they're fully aligned with the British national curriculum. So, so it's a supplement at all. It's not designed to replace school or anything, but it's just designed to create a sense of fun, a, a greater engagement for children, to ease the pain for parents and, and to relieve the, the workload for teachers as well. Rita, I'm going to have to ask you for those listening, because sometimes when the word metaverse is used, some people nod away enthusiastically and some people go, yeah, not sure what that is other than it's something to do with Facebook. So for those who aren't necessarily quite so familiar, could you perhaps expand on the, the concept? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I was recently in San Diego where lots of people were being asked, what does the metaverse mean to you? And, and to us, it means building a platform where you can make virtual, physical and social emotional connections. Um, so it's kind of having a, a, a world where the virtual world and the physical world meet. Um, so at the moment, we're using primarily augmented reality. So we're building uh, mobile games that can be accessed. They're, they're free. Um, so they can be downloaded on um, Apple or, or from the Apple or Google Play stores. And what we've developed is um, a very distinct methodology that allows a child to explore, to interact with key characters and avatars and create their own avatar, um, and then to actually uh, engage in, in, in a free open world, a little bit like Fortnite. And then there's um, a bit of gameplay. So we use lots of different gaming genres. So um, there's uh, order fulfillment games, battle games. We just recently launched the uh, the Battle of Bosworth uh, in, in the Tudors. So there's lots of different gaming genres that engage lots of different children. So the idea is that it's diverse and inclusive. And we've had a really huge impact with neurodiverse schools. We've been working in East London with um, a range of high needs schools. And, and the, the impact was so great and the level of engagement was so strong that we've been asked to develop a, a bespoke curriculum for neurodiverse children that also offers a certification process as well. So that was something we hadn't planned for, but um, it's really fantastic for, for both the children, the teachers and the parents. That sounds like a real win-win. When you talked about it being aligned with um, curriculum frameworks, what age range and topics are you um, primarily focused on at the moment within your the solution so so it's aimed at 7 to 14 we've deliberately aimed aimed it at sort of pre gcse because there seems to be quite a few games and, and solutions out there for gcse con content um, although we haven't come across 3d open worlds um, but we really wanted to capture a child's imagination from a much younger age um, i've got three very young children myself so this came about from a very personal experience with my my two sons and my daughter um, so we just wanted to provide something that was free, that was fully aligned with the um, key stages two and three uh, and the learning outcomes of the national curriculum. So we didn't want to create more work for teachers or parents or children, but we wanted to reduce the, the amount of work for everyone. And what's I have to admit, what's inadvertently happened, it wasn't um, part of the kind of cunning plan, was we've condensed 12 weeks of learning into about two hours of gameplay. Um, and as a result, children can learn much more, gain much more knowledge in a much shorter uh, frame of time. So um, they can they can cover lots more information than than usually available in in a particular term. I'm going to sort of pop my hat, uh, sort of teaching classroom hat on for a second. Uh, two questions, really, if that's okay for you, Rita. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is, is sort of what does that mean for teachers? And, and I'll frame that because. You know, um, there's a phrase which Al will know, um, which is about this idea of teachers being the sage on the stage, but also needing to be the guide on the side. Um, so they'll need to sort of you know, deliver content and and what have you. But then the the, the beauty of the, the the art of teaching is is then you know linking into assessments. You know where learners are on their journey, then supporting them and uh, in their misconceptions and so forth and so on. So how how do you see um, uh, Explore Realms doing that? Is, and is it a, a system which is um, sort of um, there? For content delivery, and as my, my, I've got two children who are nine and eleven, they have the Fortnite reference uh, ticks a big box for me with my children. Um, so, 
you know, as I see them sort of, you know, running around their worlds and, and, and they pick things up really great. And there's fantastic extra opportunities for collaboration and, and uh, all, all, all those things which aren't really necessarily covered as part of the curriculum content. Um, how, how, how does this sort of impact, do you think, on, on, on teachers? And, and um, how, how can they integrate all this sort of stuff into their work within the, within the classroom? So, so what we've done is we've engaged a number of what we call curriculum innovators. So these are already uh, teachers, subject matter specialists that we're working with across all the, the different curriculum subjects. They've already done a lot of the lesson planning, a lot of the research. They've used lots of the resources and tools that are already out there. So they've condensed that, that kind of... Um, resourcing uh, and lesson planning tool into the curriculum content. We've also done huge amounts of research on, on textbooks and exams and um, sort of end of term, end of year exams and condense that into the, the quizzes at the end of each topic. But what we're also building is a creator mode where teachers can um, go into the content and go into the back end system. You, it's a bit like a Minecraft for teachers, but it's a drag and drop system. It's not a learning management system. They take the games that are already in there, but they may want to customize the avatar, they may want to change the quizzes, they may want to create a multiplayer lesson plan or a project for kids to kind of go off and, and do on their own or do as a as a team in a, in a class in the leaderboard. So what we're mm. also trying to do is reduce the workload for, for teachers so they can deliver um, either virtual lessons that, where all the children have their own avatar and they join virtually, or they can be uh, in a classroom physically and all the children are playing the games, and they can choose whether they play in augmented reality mode or, or, or regular um, sort of gaming mode. Um, we've been playtesting with lots of schools up and down the country and, and internationally. Mm. And so some schools have the latest devices, so, so they have access to AR. But we're also developing a low-tech solution so that children in the, more, the poorest parts of the world can also access the same content. Sounds brilliant. I want to get my hands on and have a look myself. So where would we find out more? <laughs> well, it's free to download in the Apple and Google Play Store. So do, do let us know what you think about it. And everyone hopefully can see ticker tape along the bottom. He says moving his hand the wrong direction. You can see there the details. Sounds fantastic. Really, really appreciate you coming along and, and sharing with us this evening, Rita. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've, I've got a million and one questions I could continue to ask you read about. This is really, really interesting area, this, isn't it? We need to I mean, organise a check-it-out week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we see great solutions, and you'll know of Century and, and Tassamai and, and what have you. And, and to be fair, they are uh, um, sort of more aimed, like, like Reed was saying, at um, those older students. But I'd love to be able to dive deeper into um, how, as a teacher, we would actually be able to uh, manage those systems and track the learning, track the progress. How, lots and lots of questions. But it sounds like a really, really interesting proposition, that, don't you think? Absolutely. And particularly, it's good to, to see that kind of consideration for neurodiverse students looking at yeah, no, absolutely. Ways. It's about getting getting that engagement into learning, getting the, the love of learning again. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting there. Anyway, whether yeah. we like it or not, we are up next with our next guest. Yes, and we need to get the time, don't we? Now, I happen to be a fan of my pooches. Anybody who knows Al will know that my, my sidekick, Ferdy, is normally somewhere close by. So it seems very appropriate that I introduce our uh, next guest from Sundog, and it's Andrew. It's a really bad link, but it was worth a try. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we have lots of uh, great puns. <laughs> uh, good to meet you both. Good to yeah, welcome you. to Welcome to the show, Andrew. And I got some feedback from my own son for you later on in the conversation as well about Sundog. Don't worry, it is positive. Don't worry. 
Cool. I like to hear that. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know uh, about Sundog, though, and have children like me who've been using the solution to support their learning, what is Sundog all about? Uh, so Sundog is an online tool where pupils can practice both math and spelling. Um, and they do this in 3D games, which are kind of really engaging. There's over 30 games that they can choose from. Um, and it really takes them along. It kind of, uh, they can use the games either at school or at home. Um, and the idea behind Sundog is that the child chooses whichever games engages them, which encourages them, and the learning engine uh, adapts to the ability of each child. Um, it does this uh, by looking at over 2,000 learning steps in the national curriculum um, and it, it finds data to uh, determine the strengths and weaknesses across those 2,000 learning steps. Um, and so using that information that it's gained, um, it can just really fine-tune um, some dogs so that the child is both motivated from a, a, a gaming environment point of view, but also that the, the questions that they, they answer within the some dog are, are aimed exactly the right level for them. Andrew, just taking that that point you shared there, um, would you class it within the, the the remit of that personalized learning model where if a child's struggling on some content, it might take them back a step and build some confidence before stretching and taking the, them forward? Yeah, so uh, so some dogs got um, a, a learning engine which we've developed, developed over the last 10 years, um, which really adapts um, to each child individually. Um, and so it... This, this engine initially, when it first, the, the pupils first use some dog, goes through a diagnostic test, um, which helps the teachers understand exactly where the pupil is for uh, either math or spelling. Uh, and then it uses that initial point and then it adapts uh, going forward. It, it, it does, um, it, it looks at each of the different strands within uh, math um, across the whole curriculum. It covers key stage one, two, and three. Um, it's a uh, aligned to the national curriculum in England, um, to the curriculum for excellence in Scotland, and also to many of the, the standards in the US. So it's a, it's a truly international tool. Very good. Now, I'd say I, I, my feedback from my boy, I mean, and I'll, I'll give some feedback from myself as a parent as well, actually. I think a good sign of a tool such as yours is that without, without being asked to, you know, I, I would often find him playing on some dog and practicing his maths and all the rest of it in his in his, his, his own time over the weekend and in the evenings and, and so forth and so on. And so I think when you've got children that are so engaged in wanting to actually do that of their own volition, I, I think that's something which is, is, is to be celebrated, really. So clearly it's an engaging and motivating uh, uh, product. Um, uh, uh, his, his quote and, and bless him because he's a he's still only he's still only nine now but uh, he tried really hard to do a really kind quote rather than going like it's cool yeah uh, sort of thing <laughs> but so uh, he, he said he said um and i'm trying to quote him um, exactly it's a fantastic product for young people uh was was a sort of standalone quote so well, why is that and he went on to talk about the gamification and uh, um the fact that you're motivated to want to try more to to work your way through and so forth and so on but um and that, that, that fantastic point of young people, I think, was uh, my, my sort of key takeaway from what he was sharing there. What, what sort of feedback do you get from um, teachers, from, from flipping it from the sort of pupil side? Uh, what sort of feedback do you get from, um, from teachers who, who use the product, Andrew? 
Well, I, th I think um, a lot of teachers to begin with, they, they, they obviously notice that it's truly engaging, and especially some of those, those children who may be uh, just enchanted a little bit with education. And obviously, uh, after the pandemic, there's lots of children maybe has lost some of the, the patterns of learning. And so we can draw them back into to learning. Um, and, and that's one of the big takeouts. But the other thing which I think teachers find a little bit surprising is that along with all of the, the gamification, we have a whole suite of other tools to help them. Um, so we have a, a, a test library, which is a, 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 we can have a test for ready pro to progress, White Rose Maths and the NCETM checkpoints. Um, so they can do kind of formative assessment as well as summative assessment. And then there's other tools such as online contests. So this really gets children really excited about maths. And within one week, um, we have some students you know, answering a thousand questions on maths, which if you tried to do it on paper, <laughs> it just wouldn't happen in a, in a week. Um, Actually, the, coming up uh, towards the end of June, every local authority in England will be setting a, um, a mass contest, which is on 24th of June. And we've got, we're, we're helping run Mass Week London, which is a big uh, occasion for all of the London schools. That's fantastic. And, and anything that really builds on the engagement, and uh, I've seen it in different curriculum tools, that kind of focus on really building in that kind of competitiveness, the gamifying of the process as well, I think it's all really, really strong. Um, for schools wanting to find out more and seeing how it fits, where can they find out more? And I guess, can they can they trial it with students? Is there an opportunity to that? Yes, so, so um, SumDoc is is free for many, many schools, and it's only if, if you want to use the more advanced tools that you subscribe. Um, so, and to, to, to sign up for free, just go to sumdog.com or, or download either an Apple app or an Android app um, so it's available both for web and, uh, and tablets. And any teachers listening in, I think it's always nice to kind of give you a chance of one other question on the topic is what would you say is the biggest differentiator with young people using SumDog versus alternative solutions? I, th I think um, there are other uh, competitors that do gamification and there are other competitors that have a kind of a very strong coverage of the whole math curriculum but it, we bring the two together you know we have a comprehensive coverage of the whole math curriculum and we have what we think is probably one of the most in, powerful engagement systems so it's the games the avatars the houses it all kind of adds together to make it a system that children just want to keep on playing and playing and learning math and spelling that's fantastic i have to say mark i think Brilliant. andrew might win the award so far this evening for the nicest office <laughs> I think so. Yes, absolutely. That's, that is a virtual background, but it doesn't look like it. No, this, this uh, we're in the uh, centre of Edinburgh here. So uh, this is, um, yeah, this is the old. Uh, I don't know if it, some of the viewers still remember Play School. We've got the arch windows in the background for Play School. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good math. Show my age now as well, but I remember Play School as well. So. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming along and sharing about Sundog this evening, Andrew. And um, say. So, Big thumbs up from me from uh, with my parent hat on and, and uh, other hats as well. So thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to see you. Take care. Take care. <clears throat> well, so far this evening, Mark, I think I like every solution, <laughs> which makes it probably quite busy following up after the show. But, um, yeah, another great one for the list.
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I, I'm going to have to do my sort of, not, not pecuniary interest, but certainly uh, the, the next uh, solution coming on to join us this evening. And, and he wasn't actually in the green room when I was doing a nice shout out to him uh, before we came on uh, this evening. And I can see him smiling now. But um, <clears throat> I, I am, as I've shared uh, before, a big fan of um, the next solution coming on. Uh, so please uh, welcome to the Check It Out show. Uh, the iPod teacher, John Smith, who is coming on to share about the fantastic book creator. Welcome, John. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. And I was watching live on YouTube, so I did catch ah. the shout out. So I, I was just following the rules and I didn't come into the green room until 15 minutes before. So I do need to check at this point, John. Mark said that you were from his neighborhood, neck of the woods. So I'm assuming you're somewhere ah. in Tokyo. Uh, actually, I'm from Ohio. So say, yeah. <laughs> you're pretty close, you know, not not too far. Not 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 a million miles away. No. Well, actually not far <laughs> off a few thousand. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll explain that one away. So book creator are based uh, out of Bristol, um, which is That's very, the, very close to me. Yeah. Um, but um, John is uh, probably I mean, I'm a, I've been a big champion of book creator for some time. But I mean, John, you make me look like, you know, the. Uh, the, the, the small shop compared to the Walmart equivalent of, of uh, how much of a fan you are of Book Creator. So I, I won't uh, uh, do any try and, try and do your job for you. But for those who don't know, John, what is Book Creator all about? Yeah, so I was I was having a good time looking at that, right? Like, what is my elevator pitch for Book Creator? And I think, you know, if you go to our website, the, the elevator pitch is create, read, and publish, right? And I think that this idea of uh, being able to create digital books with students is an amazing idea. And being able to add not just text, but media and photos, uh, apps from all kinds of different sources, embedded things like that makes it really powerful, right? And, and so that's kind of what Book Creator is. But I wanted to take it a step further, right? So I wanted to say, if, if I was talking to somebody on an elevator, this is what I would say. Uh, you know, think of a tool, right, that is quite possibly the easiest tool that you can use with any child from about three all the way on up. All right. Think about a tool um, that allows any child, regardless of age and ability, to create something amazing. Right. And think about a tool that can be taught to students in five minutes, maybe 10 minutes if you really want to. But but that's it. It's just a tool that is so easy to use and that anybody can create amazing content with. And that that's Book Creator. And one thing that just sparked my interest was as well as the the natural you know inclination for for greater student engagement does that translate through as well into parental engagement and that that desire to get more involvement in the child's learning you know what absolutely i think so uh i think the answer to that is absolutely um because with book creator these students uh and their teachers can create this amazing stuff right and a lot of times i always said uh, that the audience for students right when they bring home a worksheet or they bring home a project the audience is usually the refrigerator, right? Or, you know, the, you know, the three people that live in your house uh, or the trash can in the teacher's classroom. That's, that's the audience for a lot of student work. And with Book Creator, this, the students and teachers can publish their work to people just not even just in their families, but beyond to the whole world. And so instead of sticking your work on the refrigerator at home, you can stick it on everybody's refrigerator, right? I call it the, the global refrigerator. And that's awesome from a student engagement standpoint, but also from a parent standpoint, because now instead of lugging around some project that they made at school and sharing it in all these different places, I can send that link out to somebody and say, hey, check out what my kid is doing in school. He wrote this book. 
And, and then, so the parents are really proud of the work that's being done. It's easy to share. Not that, not that the other work isn't important because it is, but now it's way easier to share, you know, with somebody at the, the hair salon or at the auto shop or wherever, wherever you go, right. You can share that work. It's a, it's a very, it's a very different product, but a similar concept. What product that Mark and I are both fans of Trilby TV is a great solution for showcasing student work on digital signage around schools. And it's key thing is it's actually easy to use. So staff are actually able to use it for something other than timetables and, and school dinner menus. And in the same way, I think there's a very much this focus at the moment that we need to be with all the challenges going on in the world and in our schools, having an opportunity to showcase success, showcase student work more. So anything I think that makes that process easier has got to be a win in schools. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Just jumping in a second, if that's all right, one thing that I've heard you share an awful lot before, Al, is about how there's always that desire to try and add more functionality. And John alluded to the fact that Book Creator is super simple to use, and and like he alluded to as well. I mean, I've worked, I've I've used it with children as young as four, right through to my old sixth formers who were sort of 17, 18 years old. But with the name Book Creator, John, it does sort of give the idea that it's only used for for making books. Now, both you and I know that's absolutely not the case. But could you give some of the use case scenarios? for book creator for other activities that teachers have been using it for in the classroom please yeah absolutely and I, and I agree with you you know the word book I always tease our company and say it's the worst thing about our company is our name uh, because when you say books like you said English language arts teachers are like yes right and everybody else is kind of like that's not us but writing is a part of every curriculum area it doesn't it doesn't matter what what you teach right your kids are going to be writing something and so um, being able to use Book Creator to, to demonstrate that learning, right, is, is powerful. And so I have seen phys ed teachers use Book Creator to create guides, right? How, do you, how to play badminton, what are the rules, uh, how to do a proper sit-up or a proper push-up. I've seen science teachers use it for uh, digital uh, journals and, and lab manuals. I've seen uh, schools make entire reading curriculums inside of Book Creator so that their kids don't have to lug these books around, but they can do all of it in this interactive like workbook kind of way. Uh, I've seen schools make you know, digital yearbooks instead of you know paying to print out all these hardcover yearbooks. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen everything that you can possibly imagine uh, in Book Creator, and, and I love asking people to try to stump me, right? It was like, why well, teach this, and I can't use Book Creator. It's like, I'll, I'll prove you wrong, right? I love trying to figure out different ways to use Book Creator in every aspect. So how could we use Book Creator to support the Check It Out show, John? Oh, well, see, this is perfect. (laughs) So you can use Book Creator to create a book filled with all of your videos. And not only can you put your videos and embed those directly in there, like they would be on your YouTube channel, but now you can put in favorite comments, reactions from people, and just kind of paste them on the side. You could include, uh, you know, like reflections and say, now that we've gone back and we've watched the show again, I came up with another idea and I'll just paste that into a new page and add some cool text and features in there. So there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of document and and compile all that learning. And that that wasn't bad for on the spot. That was very good. I can see Mr. Anderson's cogs are wearing as well. Knowing him, he'll have something created by tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The thing is, that, linking into what John shared there, though, one of the and, and and I know that the developers are, are are really careful to add new functionality. But one thing that which was added a little while ago, which really took it from being like awesome to 
flipping it, mate, uh, was um, the, the, the opportunity for collaboration. So you can actually work on the books with your peers in class or with your peers in your department or teachers and students working together, which really explodes it. Have you got any examples that are um, good for collaboration, John? Well, just a shameless plug, I guess. The first one that comes to mind is I, I've done these projects called the Twima Projects. And so it stands for the world is my audience. And my simple goal with those projects has always been to get one classroom from every country, every state in the world to collaborate on a book. Now, I haven't gotten there, but I've had some books that have had upwards of 38 classrooms you know, from 27 different countries all collaborate together on one single book, you know, sharing a poem about where they live or, um, you know, explaining the different things that they're learning about or the foods or the culture that they have in their area. So that's my favorite collaboration. And I've seen many other examples, especially during uh, COVID, right? And the, the lockdowns and the things like that, where students are writing and together in books, sharing their experiences about what's happening to them during this difficult time. And, and I suppose that the, the final one we always like to kind of focus on is where can people find out more? And we probably also need to just clarify that um, do people need a special app, a specific app for it to actually engage both in terms of creating and consuming? Yeah, books? so actually, that's a great question. So if you go to bookcreator.com, you'll get a ton of information. We're also book creator app on Twitter, uh, Facebooks, uh, you know, LinkedIn, social media. We're on all those places as well. Um, but we do have two different versions. We have an iPad app, uh, which you can download from the App Store. You can work in it. And we also have our online version, which works on Chrome, Safari, or Microsoft Edge. And they, they're they different uh, in their functionalities um, to some degree. Uh, they're basically the same tool, but the online version offers the teacher the ability to see all the student work kind of in one library. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's There's a free version. There's a paid version uh, with extra functions that you can use. But um, you can get a lot done uh, by checking it out there at bookcreator.com. Fantastic. And I have to say, our last guest had a fantastic backdrop, and you're the first guest with horns. So yes, well done, John. That, that's a whole separate webinar um, that, to, to explain the story on that one. But yeah, I was a little offended when you said somebody else had the better office because, you know, my wife and I, we work pretty hard on this one, especially with getting the horns in the exact well, think, right spot. I think you've, you've aligned that pretty perfectly. So there's definitely some extra points for you, sir. <laughs> Knowing you as I do, John, I'm surprised you weren't weren't uh, stood with a big truck behind you, really gleamingly clean. And uh, what have you? It's out. It's out. It's out in the garage. Uh, so we'll keep that for the next episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on and seeing us, John. And uh, absolutely lovely to see you looking so well and everything as well. So thank you very much. Thanks you too, Mark. Al, nice to meet you. Thank you for having Pleasure me. To meet you, sir. Take care. You're welcome. Cheers, John. Take care. Thank you. Check it out. Book needs to be created, Mark. Well, I'll be on that first thing uh, tomorrow morning, Mr. Kingsley. And uh, as easy as Book Creator is, it'll be with you by the afternoon. <laughs> Fandabby dozy. So who's next? Uh, right. So, yeah, next up, we have got uh, uh, someone joining us um, who I have been seeing some trusted uh, uh, members of our PLN saying really nice things uh, about. Uh, I don't want to uh, sort of steal their thunder, though, but I've been seeing some lovely tweets uh, both from yes. um, them and, and from uh, um, the company themselves. Uh, I think if, if we were going to give a prize for the company who's tweeted the most about their in engagement and involvement uh, on the Checkout Azure this evening, that would definitely go to uh, Class Composer. So thank you for doing that and welcome uh, to the show. Mike, welcome. Hi, Al and Mark. Nice to meet you. Good nice to, to meet, meet you too, too sir. 
Thank you for adding another bit of colour to our um, to our, our our stage today. A bit of orange to go with the pink and blue. Very nice. Yes, I I, I think I might win the award for the the least appealing <laughs> background, but the brightest. There's a prize the for everyone. Don't you worry. Yes. <laughs> so and my colour matched with your top, haven't you, Al? So <laughs> exactly, we we could almost yeah blend in together. Mike, lots of positivity around um, Class Composer. So for those listening, tell us all about it. Sure. So uh, kind of the elevator pitch, Class Composer is an online tool to help elementary schools create uh, better classes, um, better student placement decisions. So my background, I taught third grade for 12 years here in Colorado and this was a problem I experienced personally and our school experienced. And it's the decision-making process of where to place students when the school year ends and they're going into new classes for the next academic year. And in the United States, the kids all get shuffled. So I, I would teach you know, a group of 25 students and those 25 kids get distributed into new classes hopefully equitably um, for the grade level above me. I taught third grade. And um, the problem is elementary schools are still using sticky notes and paper cards to try to manage this process. And it's really time consuming. And more importantly, it, it creates inequitable classes by mistake. Um, and some examples of those are students who um, should have been separated. Maybe they were, you know, having too much fun in the classroom and disrupting class. They, sh they shouldn't stay together next year. Or maybe uh, one teacher ends up with students who are identified as struggling readers. There's too many of them um, for the teacher to really give good individual attention to. So those, those basic things we are trying to stop. And we're trying to make uh, the classroom environment more positive, a better equi equitable distribution of students. Um, so that's kind of a quick summary of um, what we're trying to do and um, hopefully make a difference in elementary schools. So, so the two strands that immediately spring to mind to me on, on that one, Mike, is, is one side is about potentially to support behavior management. And the other side is about making sure you've got the right blend of student ability across the the classes within a year group is that the two kind of themes yes yes very much so and 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 the thing that's really important to remember in elementary schools the the classes they're they're fixed in a way so you're you're with as a teacher you're with that group of students for the majority of the day and it's not like middle school or high school where students are moving to classes and different teachers so that inequity is really um, long lasting for the whole school year. And it, it impacts teachers instruction, uh, the classroom culture. So there's a lot of things that um, are difficult if a class isn't equitable in comparison to other classes in the grade level. Yeah, we, we see that massively over here in the UK with our primary school system. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the teachers stay with those that particular class for the, for the entire year. Uh, and, and so once you've got them for the year, you've, you've got them for the year, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so could you explain, Mike, perhaps um, some of the sort of um, 
how, how does class composer actually um, sort of facilitate that equity, that that that, that decent blend of, of um, uh, um, sort of behaviour and ability uh, uh, within within the classroom setting, so that it is equitable for for every teacher. You know, I, I, I've been landed with um, some interesting students in my classroom in, in my time. You know, so how do you make sure that you get a, a fair share of the uh, interesting students shall we say um when when they move up from one grade to the next what's the sort of thinking behind uh, how class composer works yeah and that that's the tough part and when I, I i was working on it um on the solution while i was still teaching and it's there's so many factors to consider for each student and the way we arrived at a solution was try to as much as possible, the data entry for the teachers to be familiar to them. And we have a, a, a student card that looks like a piece of paper. So it's really easy for a teacher to enter those important data points associated with one individual student. And that's a rating scale for academic levels, rating scale for behavior, um, placement requests, um, assessment scores, so all those things are entered holistically in the student card for all the students. And the teachers are the ones primarily doing this work, but we also have that option for administrators to do it also. Um, but we feel teachers know their students the best, so they should be the first data entry point. And then we have an algorithm that automatically kind of crunches all those numbers and has this uh, output, and we call it a digital data wall. And they end up in little student cells that are colored. And there's a really nice distribution visually, the color bands, like, oh, we've got high academic students. We have the average, low. We have the behavior students that we want to keep an eye on. And then there's a data table up above where when you move students, we the algorithm does that first sort, the first placement. And then there's flexibility where you can drag and drop these little cells, almost like a sticky note. And once you start moving the students into other classes to fine tune, we have a data table up above that automatically updates. So you see in real time what's happening when you start shuffling students on that individual basis. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, it's really easy to see if you're creating something that's inequitable. So. Fantastic. And um, what about, Platform-wise, accessibility, does it need a particular platform or is it browser-based? How easy is it for schools to try? Yeah, it's, it's uh, browser-based, so it's all in the cloud. And the only kind of thing we've gotten a couple of requests for, um, it, it does require a bigger screen because we want to have the data more visible. So at least a laptop size um, or desktop computer. And um, we have a sandbox experience for um, people who are interested. So when you sign up for the sandbox, we've preloaded um, demo student data so you can kind of get your hands in it. And then we do have a free trial option for schools who are a little bit more interested and they can have a little bit more in-depth experience. So those are our two options to kind of try it out. Right. We won't be using it on my Nokia 3100 then. That's probably a little bit <laughs> too limited. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, you just shared your um, website on the bottom there. Sorry, Mark. Was there anything else you wanted to dive into on that? 
I just want to ask Mike about um, uh, sort of international use. And uh, so, obviously, you know, you're, you're um, uh, US based, um, I'm assuming, anyway, from your accent and uh, what have you, but um, and, and the mention of grade levels and what have you. Um, but uh, as I say, I, I think it would be a useful tool for primary um, level, uh, uh, primary schools here in the UK, for example, and other sort of earlier phase settings. Is, is there anything which would stop it from being able to be used? Um, uh, in, in international settings? No, it wouldn't. And I, I think some of the things that might come up are just the terminology and the names that we use, you know, kind of a, with a US-based mm. lens. But we do have international schools, um, some in Africa, some in, um, you know, the Persian Gulf area. So we do have international schools using it uh, currently. But I think it'd probably be just, oh, you you call it first grade, we call it you know, you have to adjust a little bit of the language, but functionality yeah, yeah, yeah. and the problem is still similar across the world and it, it would work. You know, you just, have, there might be a little bit of kind of adjustment as far as how you name things. So, yeah, uh, brilliant. Thank you. Sorry, I jumped into front of you then. Sorry. No, no, I, we, I was just wrapping up with the how do we find out more? Can we try it? And, and so on. So, um, I think we've already had the ticker tape just showing where people can, um, can find out more with the website, which I think um, Katie has very kindly shared there. Um, there yeah, you go, classcomposer.com or at classcomposer. Um, Mike, thank you so much for coming and sharing. Seeing lots of really positive and supportive comments. Someone I'm a big fan of, Rochelle Dean Poth, who was um, sharing some positive thumbs up about it. And um, yeah, really appreciate your engagement. And it, it sounds a cracking solution to a, a really simple, but actually a, quite a significant challenge in the classroom. So a great one to hear. Okay, it was it was my pleasure. Nice to meet you, Al, Mark, and um, yeah, thank you for coming on, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. So, uh, who's next up then, Mr. Kingsley? Next up, I like that one because it's we've got this kind of breadth of all different kinds of solutions that we've covered this evening, which is which is next, which is there. It's really hard for me to choose who's going to be next up. I almost need to make some kind of virtual decision. Um, I'm going to invite <laughs> Claire Downs to join us. Nice, Al. Very good segue. Was that classy or what? <laughs> Very good segue. Loved it. Brilliant. Hello. Lovely to meet you both. You too. I've picked the clever ones now. <laughs> <laughs> That's your last you intro for the evening, so you're all, you're all good. Um, yeah, so um, Claire, uh, around midnight, uh, yeah. based uh, in, in and around the Midlands from my uh, um, understanding and research, love to see that Nina Jackson's following you. So if you've got a link in with Nina, then that's a, that's a, good, uh, that's a good link to have there. But uh, for those who don't know much about round midnight, what, is, it, is it something that happens in about sort of four <laughs> yeah, hours? hours. You've, got a, you've got a little while yet. No, okay. Yeah, so okay. We're, I, I think we're a little bit different to, to lots of other people that you have on your show. It's a busy show tonight as well, by the way. Well done. Um, so Round Midnight is actually, it's a creative arts company. We've been uh, in existence since 1992. Primarily, we've worked um, uh, in theatre and education. So delivering social messages and issue-based work. Uh, through theatre uh, to young people but in 2018 we had a little bit of a um a little bit of a wake-up call and we kind of the way that young people are now with all the technology that's available to them they're so smart they're so clever they're so clued up about things and we decided that we wanted to 
come up with a new way of engaging young people in social issues that means that they enjoy it, engage with it, and ultimately learn from it and improve their life chances. So we took our sort of 28 years worth of experience of working with um, difficult issues for young people and uh, thought that we'd put them into a VR experience, which is exactly what we've done. So virtual decisions is a um, is an umbrella name that looks after the virtual reality programs that we've developed. They're interactive programs. Um, they sort of follow a kind of they have a multi branching narrative format. It's kind of like um, a choose your own adventure VR experience, if you can imagine such a thing. So when the young people put their headset on, they're transported into a real world scenario where a narrative plays out, a story plays out. And along the way, the young people in the headset have to make crucial decisions as to what they're going to do. And their decisions ultimately affect the impact of the story and the outcome of the story for them. So young people can have a, a different experience to the, net, the young person next to them. Um, at the moment, we have two VR experiences. We have Virtual Decisions Gangs, which looks at uh, gang culture, uh, early signs of criminal exploitation, risk-taking behaviour in young people, and how important healthy relationships are. Um, and off the back of the success of Virtual Decisions Gangs, we were commissioned by West Midlands Police and the Home Office to create a specific VR experience looking at um, the reasons why young people pick up and carry a knife. So although they sound quite um, intense subjects, because we have so much experience of working with young people, we're able to pitch them absolutely right. So we've had a hundred percent engagement from every young person that we've that we've worked with. So every young person has been through the experience and had that experience of making those decisions, those really important sort of you know life decisions. But they're able to make them in a really safe virtual world. So it's almost like. Um, knowledge through experience they have an experience they learn from that experience so when they're faced with something in the real world they've kind of already tested and understand where the risks are and what the safe decisions to make are going to be so that, that, i have to say that resonates with me wearing one of my hats as chair of an alternative provision academy oh. sometimes our, our young people are the most vulnerable when it comes to being exposed to those kind of challenges and making those kind of life choices, which can often be challenging. So um, if nothing else, I shall be connecting with you after the show to find out more um, because do, I think that's yeah. a perfect alignment. But we if I was... Were... Sorry, sorry, Al, carry on. No, I was going to say, if I was talking to the leadership team um, at, the, at the academy and was trying to kind of highlight the kind of, this is some of the impact or some of the outcomes that young people who've engaged in your... Um, your, your virtual journeys, for want of a better term. What, how would you kind of summarise some of the kind of outcomes or impacts that you've had? It's really changing young people's lives. I think we have been, we were hopeful that it would be engaging and that young people would take on board 
the sort of messages and the issues that we're trying to sort of get across. But actually, it's kind of blown us away completely. It's completely it's changing young people's life chances. We also, so we work a lot in alternative provision. Um, it, it, it works extremely well with those sorts of young people. And actually, what it does, they go through the experience and then there's, there's um, a chance, because although it's tech-based, it's still very human centered. So we still have lots of conversations and, and discussions around how the young people feel about these subjects. So what it does is it just unlocks all of those barriers that you can sometimes have with, with, with vulnerable young people. Um, and it allows them to have this amazing, honest, open discussion where we don't judge and we don't demonize. It's all about learning and, 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 and taking on an understanding of how to keep themselves safer and improve their life chances. We've had one young person who, so we do a lot of work with young people that are on out of court disposal orders so that they're going through the probation system. Um, one young man started his, uh, his order in a very negative place, um, very aggressive towards the order. I think about week three, the uh, we go and run virtual decisions with those young people and his attitude completely changed and he ended up um, wanting to do restorative justice to his victim and met with his victim and the victim's family and it completely changed his outlook into um, into into criminality and he his life chances are just so much better so it's really, it's really affecting young people. It's really having a positive effect and, and making young people really sit up and think, do I go down that path or do I go down that path? And a lot of them are choosing to go down the right path and to leave and because it shows that there's an alternative for them. Mm. That, you know, if, if they can talk about things, if they can find a trusted adult that they can say, look, this is happening to me. I want to find a way out of it. And that's what we help them. That's what we help them achieve. That sounds fantastic, Claire. And and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for for um, you know, virtual reality as a solution in in many ways. And and it's it's actually quite difficult to find worthwhile solutions. There's a lot of gimmickry when it comes to VR. So it's lovely to hear a solution such as yours. But um, and and, and I might sound like a bit of like a mood hoover here, but I want to try and give you an opportunity so that people recognise that it's, it's a, 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 a doable solution. Because one of the barriers with with virtual reality is the cost of the technology around it. And lots of the settings, like Al mentioned, uh, the academy that uh, he, his job will not have access to some of the budget to buy some of that sort of equipment. So could you talk about how, because um, it sounds to me uh, from Haven explaining things, that with Round Midnight, uh, you sort of bring kit to places for it to work. Is that right? How, we do. We do. There are how, how, how does it work? Models. Yeah, there's a couple of different models. So it, we, we can go in as a company, as an organisation and run it with the kit that we have. We also have um, a licensing model where organisations, school academy trusts, councils, um, police school liaison officers are licensing the programmes from us. So they may they can hire headsets from us or buy them if they have the funds. And then we train those people in how to deliver the, the work, not only the VR experience itself, but there's also a kind of um, there's a, a curriculum that goes alongside each film. So that conversation can continue once once the, the initial VR experience is over, they can continue working on those issues. So we go in and we train, you know, we're training teachers, we're training police officers, we're training probation workers, we're training youth workers. So it, it, it sort of all depends. I absolutely hear you, Mark, about the, the, the cost around the kit. 
what we're trying to do is to find a way where we can have it on a on a mobile app so it can be used on phones so young people that have their smartphones in school can can access it on that there are some barriers to that we're a very small company with a very big project and a very big idea so we're always looking for um we're always looking for investment on how we can sustain it and how we can grow mm. the business and um, that's one of our ideas is that it's done through an app so that young people can can watch it on their smartphone. A lot of people have asked us to do a flat screen version, which we have to show people. But there is something just so immersive about virtual reality that actually that's a really big part of what we do. You immerse yourself in these characters. And I think that's why our engagement is so high, because the young people we work with really connect to the characters in these films and connect to the characters in the stories. So much so that we have... Um, like I said, we're a small company, but we've got big ideas. So we've got a really uh, an idea that we have like a, almost like a Marvel universe within our films so that the characters, characters in each film are connected. And also that's the language that young people understand. So we can sit there and we can talk about a particular character, say a, a character called Jay. And we can say, well, let's look at his origin story. And because it's the language of Marvel and the language of those kind of films, the young people completely get on board and understand what we're talking about very quickly. So, so yeah, I, I, I do hear you about the cost of the kit and it is something we're trying to rectify. But we're, we're early doors, early doors. Claire, it sounds an amazing solution. I just wish you were a little bit more passionate about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> For, for anybody I'm very who's passionate been... and proud. I'm, I'm very, very proud of what we do. Like I said, we're a small company. We've got big ideas and we've got a very special product. Um, yeah, yeah, I am very proud. I can't, I can't hide it. And so you should be. And <laughs> just, as if by magic, along with ticker tape, if people want to find out more about your solutions, roundmidnight.org.uk or That's round us. underscore midnight one on Twitter. That's it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and I will be definitely making contact with you to talk about opportunities within our own trust. So thank you. I look forward to it. Lovely to meet you both. Thank you so much. Yeah, take you care. too. Thanks, bye. Bye. Take care. Thanks, bye. Now, Mr. Anderson, apart from that being amazing, you've got to figure out how to do a segue to this next product name. So good luck. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm, I'm newt able to, unfortunately. Ah, I like it. <laughs> Uh, that was my uh, bad attempt at a Scottish accent. There, I'm just hoping that John's uh, not Scottish and uh, going to come on and uh, and uh, take the Mickey out of me for my my uh, sort of. So there I was, sort of Billy Connolly starter there. So uh, no, uh, massive welcome to John uh, from Salamander mm. um, uh, joining us this evening. Welcome uh, to you, John Salamander Integration Suite. How are you doing there, John? Um, good evening. Very well, thank you. And luckily for you, yes, I'm not Scottish. You're okay. Yes. Oh, you could have, you could have, you could have really had me there, couldn't you? Just put, just put an accent on. <laughs> if I could have done what I would have done. Yeah. There's a couple of uh, welcome, welcome to the show, John, and uh, thanks for uh, patiently waiting. I've seen you in the green room for a little while, yeah, um, but um, we do like a bit of a natter, uh, to myself and Mr. Kingsley, so um, uh, thank you for joining us. For those who don't know about Salamander Soft, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the you know is is something that I get asked quite a lot. We're a, a business that's been in the sector now for almost 15 years, um, and we're one of the few providers that's working with 
um, MIS integrations for schools primarily. Our, you know, the, the bulk of our work is around taking the MIS data that every school has. They all have Sims or Arbor or Bromcom or something similar. Um, and they also all have these um, online services that they need to access, especially over the past couple of years. You know, we've seen a, a massive rise in the need for um, Google Classrooms and Microsoft Teams and Apple School Manager deployments. A lot of the work we're doing is around providing the integration with four of those services with the MIS systems for the school so that they don't have to do that themselves. If you think about the um, the work that a, a school needs to do in order to create their new students every year, especially if they're a secondary school with um, 100 or so students had in every year, if not more. And then the, the need for that to have or for them to all have their Google Classrooms created or their Microsoft Teams or their Apple School Manager deployments. It's hard work. Um, teachers and, and staff of all, you know, if we're talking about IT staff, the support staff, everybody's spread too thin. And so being able to automate some of these things is is really powerful. So this is the, you know, the, the thing we've been trying to do. I say we've been doing this for, for almost 15 years now. We're supporting just short of 4,000 schools with our services. And it is all around that, that that integration. It's actually quite a simple solution if you boil it down. You know, we're, we're taking data from one place and feeding it to somewhere else. But what we're providing is that the peace of mind that those things are always there. If a student changes school, if the school we're working with, if the school they move to is one of ours, then we can ensure that they have the account set up for them. They've got their Microsoft Teams ready to go. They've got their calendars on their phones or devices, whatever they're using, so they can see what classes they're supposed to be in. And all of those things and really we you know we hope that we can take away a lot of the time pressure and a lot of the the admin headache as it were to actually getting the students and staff to be able to access these services so they can get on with the job of of teaching and learning um, we're hoping to remove some of those barriers and and just make it as easy as possible for people to access these solutions um, and that's kind of where we're at you know we're in 4,000 schools now over 100 multi-academy trusts in England um, and our largest deployment is actually a um, is a country level deployment where we're we're supporting a government deliver um, all this integration, including Microsoft Teams and Google Classrooms and Apple School Manager, um, at a country level, supporting half a million users. That's that's phenomenal, John. Uh, I, I noted um, a conversation recently with uh, um, a friend of uh, a, a, a professional a PLM member, uh, both myself and Al. Um, and um, yeah. IT, IT Badger, as uh, oh, yeah. known on, yeah. on, on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. They but um, he was sharing um, on uh, another show that I do about uh, how great uh, Salamander is. And so it was, it was straight away an endorsement from him was, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a big sort of tick in the box there. How, how, um, I mean, as, a, as a player in, in the industry for 15 years, uh, 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 or so, you know, at that all uh, certainly again <coughs> with Mr. Kingsley. Uh, but uh, how how do you go about uh, uh, sort of making sure that your you know the company has that good reputation? Uh, the, the likes of um, Dave Dennis sort of saying those nice things. You know, clearly uh, you're doing something right. Um, so, what are you doing right? Do you think that that makes you sort of stand out from the crowd compared to maybe some of the other competitors who can offer a similar sort of offer? Yeah. Um, I think the, the main differentiator, as it were, really, is that we, we see ourselves more of a service than we do a product. When we try, although, you know, we're delivering a piece of software, we don't see ourselves as a vendor that's making a piece of software that we sell to schools and then walk away. We see ourselves as providing that service. And that starts all the way from um, the installation that we do, which is all very, very hands-on. Everything we do is built for the school itself. 
all the way through to the support for that. You know, if we're um, uh, for Dale Lillian in particular, you know, we, he's somebody that we've been working with for a number of years now through the the school he started with, and now through his trust. And we try and build that relationship and try and build that trust with the customer so that they can come to us about anything that that we're doing for them or even things that we don't do for them. We spend a lot of our time talking with customers about things that aren't strictly related to our software, but because of our expertise and our background, we're able to help them and at least point them in the right direction. If we don't, we can't solve that problem for them. It is that the service level that's the, the most important thing to us, really. That's, that's how we've built the business. The other thing that's, you know, that's really important to think about is, again, because we see ourselves as a service, every single school is different. They're all trying to solve the same problems, but they have slightly different pieces of software. They have slightly different nuanced setups and just the environment and even the geography of where those schools are means they have different services and, and different needs. So rather than providing us a product which has got fixed bounds and can only do A, B and C, because we build, we're using our, our service more of a platform and rather than it is a product because of that flexibility, we can deliver things um, to match what the school needs. So the school doesn't need to adapt to the way that we do things. We adapt to the way that they do things to keep them going and keep them keep them happy as best as we can, really. John, it's lovely to hear you explaining that. that the, the things that we often talk about in terms of what makes successful ed tech vendors and relationships always starts the conversations we have with so many about don't think of it as a transaction, think of it as the beginning of a relationship and that recognizing yeah. that no two schools are the same. Um, and I think to your credit, one thing I would say, not in the same direct space, but working with network managers, whether it's EduGeek, Enemy, or others, is yeah. you guys have a fantastic reputation and that doesn't come cheap. That that comes down and, and speaks volumes about the quality of your product and your team. So, you know, fair, fair dues to you on that one because genuinely it's, you, you, you always have a really, really, really strong reputation. If there's some fool that's listening at the moment who hasn't got Salamander on their network, if, if there's a couple of, of network managers out there who are having a, a revelationary moment right now, what would you say, other than that kind of that service approach, yeah. functionally, what would be the kind of the key things that they should be able to to leverage if they were to make a decision to change? Yeah, I mean, for network managers in particular, that you know, the biggest thing that we're offering is the time saving. It is it is all around taking the. Uh, I think it was somebody else. I can't remember exactly who it was. So forgive me. But one of our customers said, the reason they stay with us is because of the peace of mind. They just know the things are going to happen if a new if a new staff member starts or a new student starts they don't need to know about that they don't need to worry about that all they need to do is pick up the username and password that we generate for them hand that to the student and walk away because they already have everything they need it's already configured it's ready to go from the teaching perspective and from the students perspective just them being in their google classrooms when they need to be when they start all their microsoft teams and those kind of things it's all about the speed and efficiency especially if you think about what's happened over the past couple of years in particular the the need for these things urgently has, has really changed you know if we were two and a half years ago we were looking at google classrooms as something that was in use quite heavily but wasn't the most important thing in the student or teacher's life Whereas now we're seeing these things to be much, much more vital. And so having that data there almost instantly, as soon as that happens, um, is really, really powerful. It is around the, you know, automation just saves time and makes things easier and just removes that human element, really. And kind of add on, as you know, on the show, we have all sorts of different vendors. Some products yes. are very much 
standalone and some have that tr transmission of student data and accounts and information. Do you have different um, APIs that are available to vendors that want to provide support for integration with, with Salamander? Um, actually, no. So we we tend to do things the other way around. We tend to pull our data from the vendors. So if okay. we think about um, a, a large chunk of our work is obviously with MIS providers. We work with um, all the MIS providers currently in the UK um, and some US providers as well. We have a direct integration and direct relationship with all of those. So we keep in touch with what they have. And we see it as our responsibility to keep on top of that rather than have a vendor or somebody else try and work with us. Okay, so that kind of streamlines that process as well for, for vendors who are thinking. Yeah, it makes it as easy as possible. And you know, if they can give us access to their data um, or if they want us to provision to them, we can we work with them on that, but we take the responsibility to do that ourselves rather than um, labeling that onto them. Brilliant. I'm going to jump in with another question, John. I, I used a, a, a quote that I share quite a bit when it comes to technology, uh, which is uh, that Arthur C. Clarke quote, which is uh, when technology is sufficiently advanced enough, it's indistinguishable from magic. And certainly, um, you know, as a teacher, who's, I'm, more, I'm more techie than your average teacher, to be fair, but, you know, many teachers aren't. And a lot of the work that technicians do behind the scenes uh, um, is, is seen as being magic in many ways. <laughs> Salamander, um, if, if, if we've still got some teachers watching, um, you know, because they might, they might be thinking, well, the last last guy up, it's, it's not it's not about teaching and learning. I'm, I'm off for my, uh, my, my, my glass of wine or whatever. But for the, for the teachers watching, um, could, could you explain in, in sort of teacher terms how important Salamander is to making sure that everything does work? And, and because it, it's yeah. often, you know, crazy science, you know, and why isn't it working? Yeah. So, what what is it that Salamander does that really makes it absolutely magic? And why the likes of Dave Leonard are saying, you know, it's it's the cat's whiskers. Yeah, no problem. Um, and magic is a term that's been used to describe us in the past. Um, it's not one I've used, but it, it's one that some of our customers have used definitely. It's all of these things can be quite complex. If you think about a Microsoft team or a Google classroom and just having that information to hand when you need it. It's actually quite a complex process. There's lots and lots of data that goes behind those things. And just having something that can automatically provision that for you means that nobody else has to. You don't have to create your own Google classroom or your own Apple classroom. You don't have to remember if a student changes from one class to another that that needs updating. The fact that this is all done for you just means that you can focus on the job at hand of, of teaching. Um, it's, it's all around, uh, say, it, it all comes back to the, the same bits of, of time saving and just removing that administrative headache for whoever it is that does that. There are lots of um, other advantages in terms of thinking about things like data protection and privacy as well. We can ensure that the right data is in the right place at the right times so that we can release that burden from the, from the people that would otherwise have that. That's a, that's a great answer, John, because say, trying to explain how important uh, something like Salamander is to ensuring continuity and access and log on times, all that sort of thing is, is, is a difficult thing to do at the best of time. So a, a great response, a great answer. Um, we're approaching the end of the conversation. Was there any more questions that you wanted to ask at all, Al? The, the, the unsurprising one, which is where can people find out more, John? Um, the, the first place is our website. Um, obviously, we're on Twitter as well. Um, the website is is the best place. And if you actually make contact with us, um, we don't have a sales team. Um, 
it's, it's one of our it's one of our principles at the moment we, it's not something we, we've ever done we're focused so heavily on delivering that service um that, that we've never really tried to sell it our, our customers do that for us um dave is a particular advocate for that um so if you actually reach out to the to us on the website you will reach me directly um and we can have a conversation about what problems we might be able to solve for the site perfect brilliant Can't make it simpler than that thank you so much for joining us this evening john pleasure to talk you're to very you. welcome thank you very much yeah. cheers john nice to meet you no worries thank you goodbye cheers bye-bye well, Mr. Kingsley, what a fantastic show. And I'm just pleased, actually, you know, we've been gamifying up, the, we've been levelling up, haven't we, a little bit with these uh, these, these segues. I think you probably won hands down with your uh, virtual decision one before. I think that was top of class. Uh, but, uh, no, fantastic. And, and, you know, 17 shows now, um, you know, and every single time I think, wow, this has been absolutely fantastic. But it's been another corker, hasn't it? It has, and, and we don't have our um, our boundary set on on vendors from just the United Kingdom, but so many of the solutions that have come from from within the UK, as well as the amazing international solution. You know, I say it many a time. It just goes to show what a thriving community we've got of innovators within the edtech space, both educators transitioning across and clearly people with great technical skills or other you know creative flair that want to add solutions for the, the landscape uh, so i always find it very invigorating as i know you do mark and tonight's a great one because talk about no two solutions are the same what a breadth of different types of solutions and all really stood up in their own right and um you know they, they all pique that interest to want to go away and find out more so um i think we're really really lucky to have some some great guests that have given up their time to join us this evening yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're watching this evening and thinking, do you know what? I could do that. And you've got a solution that you haven't yet come on to the Checkout Out Show and shared about, please do get in touch. You can go to netsportsoftware.com forward slash showcase. There's a little form to fill in there. Uh, but do that and we'll be in touch. Uh, and uh, we don't charge anything uh, for you to come on and share on the show. Uh, all we ask is in the world where the network is more powerful than the node, that you share a little bit about your engagement and the fact you're coming onto the show. And as you've seen from the statistics, that, that uh, network being more powerful than the node thing definitely works, given the number of viewers and, and the engagement that we get with the shows that we put together. So I say, please do get in touch. And uh, we haven't set a date yet, though, have we, Mr. K, for next month? Uh, but um, we will be returning uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, please do check out our socials. You can see my Twitter handle there. Uh, Al is uh, Al Kings underscore Edu. Uh, but uh, as you'll know, um, the hashtag bottom right hand corner, uh, which is down there, hashtag check it out show. And of course, obviously follow us, follow us on Net Support Group, where you'll not only be able to hear the latest and greatest things all around check it out show, but all the other things we do uh, as a business as well, from our sharing, our, our articles, our blog posts, our resources so forth and so on and every now and then we might just mention a little bit about some of our software as well but uh, i'll hand over to you to do the final wrap-ups but for me that's uh, a wrap from my side thank you very much so, so my very original wrap-up well it's a good night from me <laughs> ah, and it's a good night from him there we go thank you very much everybody take care, take care. thanks